Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Killar jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Yes, welcome everybody to another episode of the Keep It Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by a guy who's barely standing after going up against McDavid, Giroux, and worst of all, Logan Couture last night in my cup full matchup. But I'm here to, to make a show. Don't worry. I'm your host, Dylan Dubrovsky, and with me, a very special guest. Brian couldn't make it today, but that's okay, because I brought in a real ringer. He's a fantasy hockey analyst at Sportsnet. Uh, I know him very well as being the managing editor at Goalie Post, which is an amazing resource, and obviously GoaliePost.com. And just an all-around amazing follow on Twitter at Amato underscore Mike. I guess I've just given up his name. It's Michael Amato. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. So I am uh, stoked. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm a long-time reader. And, and I guess a short-time reader of your Sportsnet articles. I guess you just started that recently. But I love your uh, 20 takes there. I, I may have pulled some of your like topics for this episode so i might know some okay. of your answers in advance that's great it makes it easier yeah for sure yeah all right so yeah we've got a lot to get to here uh there's it's been a big week and also like next week there's barely any hockey so it's a good chance for us all to reset on like what to expect you know going into the all-star break so i'm really stoked to dive into everything of course keeping carlson proudly presented by dauberhockey.com it's an amazing site goalie post is part of dauber hockey isn't it absolutely yeah we're yeah. under that dauber hockey brand yeah, so goalie posts, frozen tools, the actual articles on Dabber Hockey. It's all there. So check it out, DabberHockey.com. But yeah, okay, let's get into it with some headlines to start off the show. And of course, the biggest headline of the week is Austin Matthews over in Toronto is going to miss a minimum of three weeks with a sprained knee. Uh, the Leafs didn't have a great start uh, without him, losing 6-2 to Ottawa on Friday. But things seem to be going a bit better today uh we're currently in the third period versus washington and toronto is up four to one so maybe they just needed to work things out a little bit uh in that first game pontus holmberg who's a player on the leafs apparently wa- was on the line with nylander and cali yarncrocks they moved marner back to the top line then today and it seems to be doing much better uh alex kerfoot has been on the line with nylander and yarncrock uh i guess <laughs> the obvious question is like is alex kerfoot now someone that's interesting in fantasy though he has no points so far in these four and obviously uh if he's not playing you know on the top power play i guess his opportunity is limited but w- what are your thoughts on alex kerfoot yeah, I, I always say about Kerfoot, like, I feel like everybody growing up playing hockey had an Alex Kerfoot on their team. Someone that was like tremendously talented, could skate like the wind, is always in the right place, but has about zero hockey sense and would not score if you gave him a hundred chances or right in the slot. So I don't love Kerfoot, um, for fantasy, to be honest. I know he did fairly well. Actually, I think he had 51 points playing with, um, you know, sort of Tavares and Nylander there on that on that second uh, on that second unit, but yeah, I I don't really think he he's going to provide you uh, too much upside, especially if it if you know it's just him, Nylander and Kroc. I think if he had two of the big four um, by his side, you know, I think he would probably fare a lot better. But yeah, um, so far it doesn't seem to be affecting Nylander too much the Matthews uh, injury, which is which is good news because I think Nylander scored again today, so. That's two goals in two games without him. And I think I heard on the broadcast, he's, he's got like 
10 goals in, in 16 games without Austin Matthews. So he was the one I was most worried about at even strength just because, um, you know, he's used to playing with one of those other three sort of like four forwards that they have. And now he's sort of by himself there on that second line. But yeah, so far so good for him. But yeah, I can't say, um, you know, living in Toronto and being a Leafs fan, I can't say uh, watching Kerfoot last few years that I'm super confident he's going to provide you much. All right. So stay away from Kerfoot. And yeah, Nylander, he's kind of a little bit like a Kevin Fiala, right? And like, I remember last year, there was a stretch where Nylander went to the third line and we were a little bit concerned on the podcast, but it's like, he kept on doing fine. He's obviously on the top power play. So I guess, yeah, Nylander should be fine. The Leafs overall, I mean, they're basically like guaranteed to play Tampa Bay in the playoffs. So they're probably just going to rest Matthews as long as they need to, which I guess is also good news for Michael Bunting, right? Because he's been jumping on the top power play. He was super cold, pointless and four going into today. I was going to ask you if you're worried about Michael Bunting, but I see that uh, he beat me to it because he has a goal and an assist today versus Washington. So ending the uh, pre-All-Star break, I guess there's one more game for Toronto next week uh, before the All-Star break. But yeah, Bunting going again. I'm, I'm just going to assume you were going to say that you weren't worried about him. And also, by the way, Morgan Riley was pointless in four, still hadn't scored a goal this year, and he has a goal today. So uh, all my content... <laughs> all, all my content for the episode is uh is being taken away from me so any thoughts on bunting or riley or is it like uh, just congrats to anyone who's held on to these guys yeah it was a big day for for people struggling i mean yeah morgan riley needed a goal you know that new contract uh you can't you know you can't be pushing february without scoring a goal i know he's not like that's not a super you know thing that he does he's more of a a guy that, you know, gets the puck out of the zone well, sets up a lot of plays, but yeah, he's, you got to score a little bit and I'm sure that felt good for him. Yeah. And then I guess the last note on the lease, we got to go in net, right? Matt Murray was supposed to play Friday, got bumped last minute. Uh, the quote from Sheldon Keefe is that Matt Murray was dealing with something that flared that's been bothering him for a while and that's why he couldn't play. So you know, never a good sign, especially for Matt Murray, that he's dealing with something that's been bothering for a while. So there's a lot of things that have been bothering him for a while. Uh, he, he's not backing up for the Leafs today. They called someone up. Samsonov is now playing his seventh start in a row. Uh, do you think at this point, is it like Samsonov? We should just expect that he's going to be the volume guy in the second half. Like, who knows? Murray could come back, could not. He was even struggling when he was playing. How, mu- how much hope do you have in Flurry being worth even holding in fantasy? Like, I know now people could stash him in their IR, but even if they couldn't, maybe it would be fine to just drop him at this point. I think he's like venturing into droppable status. Like I, I think Samsonov has kind of gained the trust of Keith. I think he's probably going to start the bulk of the games. Um, you know, that being said, I'm if he sort of followed Samsonov the last few years, it's not like he's been sort of like rock solid for like full seasons. He's been sort of inconsistent too. So like, yeah, could I see a scenario later on in February or early March where like Murray's relevant again for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I could see that, but you know, it's kind of getting into crunch time, right? You can see like you're down to a few more weeks before playoffs in, in a lot of weeks. So if you need the roster space, um, yeah, I think holding on to Murray kind of hoping that he's going to pull off some heroic magic for you come fantasy football time is, is a bit of, bit of a gamble. So I think if, if you need to drop him, yeah, it's a shame. Uh, we'll see how things work out in the Le- in the playoffs for the Leafs. And I assume at this point, Samsonov is the front runner to be their starting goalie. And 
hopefully they'll make it past Tampa Bay one time uh, with him. Or I, Yeah, we'll see if Murray is able to contribute anything. All right, let's move on to another team now. So another big injury. Pavel Buchnevich is on the IR after a minor ankle procedure. Uh, Rob Thomas also injured in St. Louis. Uh, so it's kind of hard to talk about the fantasy impact since it's possible that both of these guys will be back after the All-Star break. So probably not worth diving in too much into the impact of these guys being gone. Meanwhile, Vladimir Tarasenko returned from his injury uh, and things haven't been going that well for him. He's pointless in three games. He played with Barbashev and Nolachari in the loss on Saturday to Colorado. So maybe this is just a situation where Tarasenko is going to need like Vucinavich and Rob Thomas to come back just so we can have some better linemates and get going again. Like, would you be nervous with, with Tarasenko or can you just assume that things will get better as soon as the, you know, the reinforcements come in? Yeah, I'd, I'd assume they'd get better. You think St. Louis too would try to, I mean, he feels like kind of a sure bet to get traded to, right? Like at the deadline. So you'd think the Blues would try and really you know, stock him with a lot of talent around him to boost his trade value like before the deadline. So I'm not too worried um, about him overall. I think when those guys come back, he's going to get some better lines. And yeah, you have sort of, I guess, uh, you know, um, kind of dangling of the carrot of, of if he goes to a better team, you know, you hold on to him at the deadline. Maybe he lands in a really good spot for the fantasy playoffs and hopes there. Oh, I see. So, okay, we're we're assuming that Tarasenko is for sure going to go. I guess St. Louis is, is falling out of it quickly. Well, yeah, I don't know if it's for sure, but I feel like out of all the names I've seen, like I, I've heard like O'Reilly could get traded, you know, Barbashev, Tarasenko. I feel like Tarasenko, they've kind of had a bit of a rocky relationship with the team. I know he asked for a trade, sort of got rescinded. He's in a contract year. So I just look at the odds of him sort of re-signing as, as slim. So I figured they would try to deal him. Um, but yeah, you never know. I mean, it uh, could be. He could not move, but I'd assume if they're going to deal, they probably want to prop him up as much as they can with some good line mates. Yeah, well, then it becomes interesting. I guess that will be a discussion when we have our episodes around the trade deadline. And, you know, everyone always gets excited about a player that gets traded. Tarasenko has generally been in a pretty good spot in St. Louis, like with good line mates on a good power play. But you'd assume a team trading for him yeah, it's tricky because probably a team that's trading for him is a team that's already pretty good and just wants to bring in an extra piece if they're giving up picks and stuff. So maybe he wouldn't have such a prominent role, but also it's hard to imagine a team acquiring Tarasenko not putting him on the top power play. So uh, I don't know. I guess it's hard to speculate on like if, if it'll benefit or hurt him if he gets traded until we find out where. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's just, I think you would just be thinking like if whoever's trading for him is probably going to be a contender, right? Like a team that's pretty good or doing better than St. Louis this year. So he'd probably be in a more favorable spot overall. But yeah, I can't imagine a team bringing him in and, and not using him in a, in a pretty good way. All right. So uh, also in St. Louis, a Tory Krug also returned along with Tarasenko. He's been a lot more impactful than Tarasenko has so far since his return. A three assists in three games and 11 shots for Tory Krug. I know you tweeted about how you were impressed with what you've been seeing from Krug so far. Uh, right now, I think he actually probably benefits from Buchnevich and Rob Thomas being out just because St. Louis, when they're fully healthy, they kind of have two power plays that go kind of even and Justin Falk gets like half the time. Now Tory Krug is quarterbacking the clear stack top power play. Uh, so maybe it's like like enjoy it for now, but maybe he'll go back to what he was doing before once everyone's healthy. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes with Krug. I don't know if you know how long this run's going to last. I think the thing interesting about him is when someone's been on the IR for that long. Um, I know he's. I know he was dropped in a lot of leagues, so sometimes you almost forget about him. I know he was sitting on the waiver wire in my league. Someone scooped him up um, the other day. So I, I think it's just the thing with him is if your league has um, plus minus, it's probably a pretty big detriment. I think he's like minus twenty three or something on the year. Um, that's the only thing to watch for there, but yeah, I think, um, while those guys are out, I would take advantage of it if you can, cause it seems to be like shooting at a pretty high volume too, which is a little bit unusual. 
Yeah, I guess with uh, St. Louis, is their goaltending has been very rocky. So that's not going to be good for anyone's plus minus. I don't know how much the, of the blame should go on Krug and how much of it should go on Binnington, but I guess it doesn't matter. Either way, he's the one who's hurting you in fantasy if your league counts plus minus. But as you know, like no one should really be using plus minus in their leagues because it's it's so unfair. It's not it's it's, it's, about, it's more about the goalie than the player. Oh, for sure, they they definitely shouldn't. But yeah, I get I get questions about it all the time. So yeah, I think there are people that still out there using it for sure. Yeah, well, th- this is our, uh, you know, once in a while plea to people to, uh, we-, we recommend your life will be more fun if you play at a league without plus minus, I think. Get rid of plus minus, yeah. Okay, so maybe a little less impactful injury, but still something to dive into here. Ilya Mikhaev is going to undergo ACL surgery and has been shut down for the season by the Canucks. Uh, he actually scored a goal in his final game, and he was on a good line playing with Besser and Horvat. So I guess now we're going to see all new lines. And already we've been watching for how the lines are going to shake out under new coach Rick Tockett. Uh, and yeah, so now for sure there'll be a shakeup because Mikhaev is no longer there. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Like, are you expecting anything to change in general for the Canucks? Like, is there any player that's been like cold that you think maybe now can heat up or that's been hot that maybe is going to cool down? Like what's your general take on what's going to happen to the Canucks moving forward? Yeah, I think overall, like they might be a bit more like stingy defensively. And that's one thing like I loved about Bruce Brujo for fantasy was like, he was just very freewheeling offensive style. Um, maybe not always the best for results. Like I know uh, you know, six, five moves and uh, that's really good for fantasy. So I don't, I can see them, you know, playing a little bit uh, more, more tighter of a game and, and trying to you know, give up a little bit less and, and then probably sacrifice some offensive chances. But I don't know. I've kind of liked the way JT Miller's looked in the first couple of games under Tockett. He's definitely been a little bit more balanced. Like he's filling a lot more of the categories for category coverage since Tockett's taken over. Um, and he's taking faceoffs again too, which is interesting. Um, probably the other one I, I would say is like Thatcher Demko. You know, like you sort of look at um, he struggled earlier this season under Boudreau. I, I think like if they can get a little bit better defensively, obviously that's going to going to help Demko. And if you remember last year, like Demko was really good on him. You know the Canucks were pretty bad last year. Feeling on the head strong the season, but Demko still managed to put up like a nine. I think it was a nine fifteen, and he had like a winning record. So like, you know, I think he can still provide a lot of value. And if you kind of look at waiver wires right now in a lot of leagues, like they're pretty thin, right? They're pretty bare. So if you if you're someone like Demko, you want to take a chance on like, you know, he could probably give you something if everything kind of falls. His way. He's got the talent and the highest ceiling probably sitting. Yeah, I mean, Demko is definitely very interesting because, yeah, he was so great last year, so bad this year that you could probably get him for pretty cheap. Or like you're saying, maybe he's just sitting on people's waiver wires. Uh, could blow you up. I wouldn't pay a big price for him but because also coming back from injury is never too easy, but he's he's good. And and like uh, you brought up JT Miller. Yeah, I'm looking at his like most recent game versus Columbus. Two assists, seven shots, three hits, eight faceoff wins. So yeah, if he can be like that, then that's the you know, what made him so valuable and why he was drafted so high in drafts this year. He's, he's approaching point per game. Now he's up to 45 points in 49 games. So that's a 75 point pace. Last year, he paced for over a hundred. What's your bet? Do you think Miller is going to pass the point per game threshold by the end of the season? I think it'll be right around 80, give or give or take. Yeah. So I think he could get there. Yeah. I think for me, like, I don't think his points were like, obviously like if I, I think a hundred point season that he had last year, close to it was probably like, going to be really hard to duplicate so I, i'm not too surprised his points are down but i think i was concerned like you know he, he obviously he was playing a lot of wing earlier in the year so he wasn't taking face off so i think his shot totals were down from his other stats as well so i think now that he's it's a bit more balanced under pocket i think he's 
I've noticed him sort of filling up those categories more. And I think that's what you want to see. Yeah, I mean, looking at the lines, Miller was playing with Garland and Dakota Joshua, which you would think is like not the best pair of line mates, but maybe like being able to play center now. And obviously the yeah. power play is a big part of his game. Yeah, sometimes maybe he just likes that more responsibility, kind of carrying his own line than kind of playing with some others. He's just a little bit more passive maybe in that scenario. Now he's maybe just a bit more of a driver. But I don't know. No, it makes sense. Again, I'll, I'll bring up the Kevin Fiala, right? He seems to do yeah. so well when he's playing with uh, the lesser caliber players. Uh, I guess that's since we're on the connect, I guess we got to give kudos to Quinn Hughes, who I believe on an episode like a month or two ago, Brian and I were like, not joking, but like kind of like look like scoffing at how Quinn Hughes somehow still hadn't scored a goal. Kind of like Morgan Riley, actually. All of a sudden now, Quinn Hughes has four goals in his last 10 games. Like, there's no way like Hughes is actually becoming a goal scorer now. And it's just, I remember like going into the year, there was some like word that in the, in the off season, he was trying to like shoot more and kind of change the way he played yeah. a little bit. Is this like for real or is this just a total mirage and like, don't expect to get goals from Quinn Hughes moving forward. He's an assist guy. Yeah. I remember them talking about that too in the preseason. Yeah. I think it's probably closer to a mirage, but it's definitely a nice bonus. Like I don't see him being a huge goal scorer either. I, I kind of view him, um, Sort of as a similar player to Morgan Riley, but maybe a little bit more high end talent than Riley. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's going to be an assist player. Yeah, sometimes, you know, you get streaky. This sort of enjoy while it lasts, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So maybe if there's someone out there that thinks now that your Quinn Hughes is not only like an amazing assist and power play assist person, but also someone who's going to score for you, maybe now's a good time to try to trade him, obviously, for a really I good saw. return. <laughs> Um, okay, so you know what? We've still got a few more injuries and outjuries to get to, but I guess now's a good time, good as any, to take a quick break. So we'll be back in just a sec. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. All right, so I'm here with Michael Amato. This is Elon Dubrovsky, and we've been talking fantasy. Uh, of course, you're listening to Keeping Carlson right after the commercial break. I guess you know exactly what's going on. So let's just dive back into some more injuries and outjuries. And I wanted to go to Ottawa. I discussed the Josh Norris injury on the last episode of short shifts with Jeremy, but we definitely have to dive into it more now that we're seeing like the fallout. Uh, first of all, Claude Giroux definitely doesn't mind that Norris is out and he has to play with the new centerman. Uh, Giroux had two goals and an assist versus Montreal that brought him to four goals and four assists in his last four games. Like what a signing by the Sens. Hopefully, you know, the rest of the team can figure things out to like make use of these like three years they have of Giroux, but he's looking amazing, like as good as he ever has. And yeah, he's been centered by Ridley Gregg, who is not only getting exposure to Giroud even strength, but even on the power play, because they are playing on the second power play, which is producing, I guess, mainly because they have Giroud there. Uh, Greg had an assist and eight shots in his first game, and then no points and only one shot in game two, and then an assist, but only one shot again in, in Saturday's game. So is it kind of fair to assume at this point that the eight-shot game was like a mirage for Ridley Gregg, and probably he's more going to be an assist guy, kind of like Quinn Hughes? I, I would think so. Eight shots is wild. Like unless your your name is like Alex Ovechkin or Jack Hughes, you're probably not going to do that regularly. But that's that's crazy that he put up eight shots like that the other night. But yeah, it's good. It's a good spot for him. Like you know, centering that in that Ottawa top six is pretty potent, right? Like I know the, the results haven't been there for them, but they have a lot of talent there. Like if you're in that top six, like you should be able to produce something. And yeah, he's got two points in in, in three games there. So you can see how he does. Uh, I don't know if there's their schedule is that great coming up i think they i think they have like 11 days off or something like that yeah uh, they're gonna go tuesday against montreal 
which could be pretty good considering they just dropped five on Montreal in the last game. But after that, then they're going to go all the way past the weekend and then all the way to the following Saturday. So maybe now's not the best time to grab Ridley Gregg, but definitely someone to watch. And the sense, yeah, all of a sudden, like you mentioned that they've been having a pretty potent top six. The lines have actually been really interesting because it seems like now they're trying to go for a top nine with Norris out. Because I'm seeing like they ran with... Kachuk, Stutzla, and Matthew Joseph. It's kind of like they have pairs, like Kachuk and Stutzla yeah. with someone, and then Giroux and Debrinket with someone who was Ridley Gregg, and then Batherson and Pinto were with someone who was Derek Broussard. So, which doesn't at the surface look that great for Drake Batherson, I guess, if he's playing with Broussard and Pinto and not with one of those superstars. But at the same time, Batherson has points in each of his last two games. So I guess I can't really complain. I guess we've talked about some other players who've been producing even without the most exciting line mates. So it'll be fun to see what the Sens do with these lines. Maybe, uh, yeah, more balanced approach with Josh Norris out of the lineup. Yeah, worth a shot, right? Like, I think putting up the offense is good. It makes you hard to defend, right? And sometimes, like, yeah, with Batherson, maybe you're not getting, you know, those line mates that you're used to, but you're probably getting a better matchup, right, than the other end. Like, you're probably getting an, an opponent's sort of weaker weaker lines or de- weaker defensive lines that you're going up against, right, if you're going to be down on that third line. So could work out. It seems to not be hurting just, just yet. Yeah, actually, that's a really good point, right? I guess a lot of these guys we're talking about, yeah, you you split it up to third lines. You might be like, oh, no, this guy's playing with not such great players. But yeah, if they're playing against the other team's third weakest or third best, like, defenders, that could work out really Especially well. Especially how, like, the, the Penguins won two cups of, like, a few years back, right? They put Phil Kessel on that third line for most of those playoffs, and he just feasted on the other teams, and he scored, like, a ton of goals, right? That's how they utilized them, and it really worked out for them, so... Yeah, I'm not saying that's going to happen with the Sens, but you never know. Like, it's sometimes, it looks like, it always looks bad when, you know, players on the third line and they don't have kind of talent around them, but sometimes there's a silver lining. Yeah, I was about to say, like, well, of course, one big difference is the Penguins had, like, much better defense than Ottawa. Yeah. But then, on the other hand, there was that cup they went, they won back when Latang was injured the whole time. And if you look at who their decor was, like, led by, like, Justin Schultz or whatever, it wasn't even that amazing. And Ottawa has a couple of interesting guys all of a sudden. Like, obviously, Shabbat is Shabbat, who was cold for a bit, but oh, I think it was goal in the last game. Also, I've been talking about Jake Sanderson on my last couple of podcasts. He really seems to be waking up. He has points in three straight now. Uh, do you, Like, again, we've talked about Ottawa's kind of weak schedule. Schedule, but at the same time, in a lot of fantasy leagues, D is really hard to come by. And Sanderson gets huge minutes. He's on this like second power play with the one with Giroux. Uh, and yeah, he's starting to pick up the pace a little bit. So I'm curious what you think. Like, is he someone you would jump on, even if you know you're only going to get two games in the next matchup? But moving forward, maybe if you don't grab him, then you'll have missed your chance and he'll be held for the rest of the season. Yeah, that's a tough one. Like, I. Uh, this, their schedule is so challenging. Like, I, I think if they had a few more games coming up, like, I probably would uh, grab them. But I also think Sanderson, like, you mentioned the minutes. Like, that's a huge thing, right? Like, especially if you're in a- any league that counts, you know, blocks, hits, shots. You just you just want players that play a lot, I think. And, you know, he obviously fits that category. And I really think his value is going to be, like, you know, next season or the season beyond. Right? Like, if you're in a keeper league, there's a guy that, you know, if you're in a, if you're in a league that, you know, keeps a lot of players, a deeper one, like, that's one guy you want to look at because it feels like yeah he's like you said he is coming along and it feels like he's gonna really click at some point and, and yeah you're gonna probably want him on this yeah and plus it doesn't even seem like thomas shabbat has been like the most amazing top power play quarterback like i wonder if at some point maybe not this season but i wonder if at some point sanderson could even challenge to get the the most power play time but i guess that's a discussion for the summer or for like future seasons yeah it's not it's not out of the question for sure i kind of put shabbat in like i always say i have this sort of like category of players that are better in real life than in fantasy and like Shabbat isn't it for me like Jonas Brodin, Keandre Miller, Mark Stone like I have a 
group of guys that I think are really good players, but they're not like super great for fantasy. And I always have Shabbat in there. So yeah, it wouldn't shock me if like, Sanderson could overtake him or something. Yeah, uh, that's definitely true. Like some of these players show their value almost by like how badly things go when they're not around. Like I know like yeah. Mark Stone, I wasn't planning on bringing him up, but like Vegas has totally disappeared ever since Mark Stone has gotten injured. Like Eichel isn't doing anything. Like Huge remember loss. when yeah. Yeah, Chandler Stevenson was like this like fantasy darling and all of a sudden he's kind of nothing without Mark Stone. Like he really seems to be the straw that stirs the drink over there. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. But then you look at his numbers and they're not bad, but you always think like they're going to be so much more given like how good of a player he is. But yeah, he just makes everyone else go. Right? Like he really, that that line of Eichel, Stevenson and Stone, that was maybe like the best line in hockey for the first couple months of the year. And I think they, I think they moved Stevenson down to like, I think he's centering the third line last time I checked, um, which isn't ideal. But yeah, uh, I think if Stone doesn't come back soon, it's not looking good for Eichel's uh, really, really ice cold right now. Yeah, yeah. If you look at Jack Eichel's stats recently, he is pointless in his last five games. So the word is that Stone could be back after the All Star break, and definitely anyone with Jack Eichel is really hoping that'll you know be the case. He did take seven shots in the last game, but before that, he had two games with only two shots. So Eichel really like he had such a great start and now it's sort of disintegrating. So hopefully things can turn around. Um, anyways, I was on Ottawa. I wanted to mention one last thing, which is a net. So Talbot is hurt. Anton Forsberg had two really good games on a back-to-back, which is hard to do for a goalie. I guess the second one was against Montreal, but still, still counts. Um, assuming Talbot is like healthy post-break, maybe he's just, you know, took the extra time. I'm assuming that Forsberg's also going to play Tuesday. How do you see the net shaking out? I guess I haven't thrown too many goalie questions at you, but you are the goalie post expert here. So do you have any prognostication skills about how some of these tandems are going to turn out? Uh, yeah, Ottawa is an interesting one. I, I think like... Forsberg was actually pretty good to start the year when Talbot was injured for the first uh, four or five weeks. I actually drafted him. He was pretty solid. Um, and then Talbot got back and they started splitting time and then Talbot kind of took over. So I don't know. I think it kind of depends if they're really in the playoff race, which it doesn't look like they're going to be. So if that's the case, I don't really see them leaning on one guy, um, which is really not necessary um, unless one guy starts going on an incredible run. So I could just see them kind of, splitting time a little bit um i don't see i don't see that as a situation where one guy's really going to take that over or in kind of some sort of right so which makes neither of them like super appealing like obviously grab forsberg now yeah. maybe for for tuesday versus montreal but you might not want to hold all the way to the following saturday especially if talbot is healthy by then exactly Okay, uh, next injury. So uh, not super fantasy relevant, but I do want to talk about some players on their team. So uh, Gustav Nyquist, out indefinitely. Who knows? Maybe out for the season. Like Columbus has no reason to rush him back, obviously. Uh, so then the lines shook up again, as they happened like crazy. Last episode of Keeping Carlson last Sunday, we were talking about Jack Roslovic on the top line just for like the Monday game for him to play on that line for like five minutes and then get bumped to like the fourth line and have like one of his lowest time on ice games. So th- very tricky to predict how things are going to go in Columbus. But one guy who is looking very good, and I don't want to jinx him like I jinxed Jack Roslovic, but Kirill Marchenko has been playing with Johnny Gaudreau and Boone Jenner, at least in the last game. And also Columbus has been going with five forwards on the power play recently for at least some of the time. And Kirill Marchenko has been on that unit. Uh, and Marchenko looking really good. Like, obviously, I don't want to like discount that Johnny Gaudreau is also doing like really amazing. And I'm really like impressed with people who drafted him because I know I was a little bit nervous about like how he would do on this team, but like seems like things are going pretty well. But you know, I can't give I can't ask you too many fantasy relevant questions about Gaudreau. So we could talk about Marchenko, who was pointless in the last game, but before that he had a three-game goal streak. Uh, he currently actually has 13 goals and no assists. 
in 27 games this season. I'm talking about Marchenko. So it's almost like a goal every two games, which is like a 40 goal pace, but also like a 40 point pace, which, so it's hard to tell like how valuable that would be in fantasy. Kind of like another uh, Victor Olafson who also scores a lot. They're, they're battling for the, the Cy Young award. That's what somebody said. Their team goals, no, no assist. Yeah. Olsen's got some big crazy. I think Olsen's on pace for like 41 goals and 10 assists or something like that or something That's crazy. Wild. Well, at least um, Olsen's passed it a couple times. Yeah, exactly. So um, I don't know. Like, I, I think it, it goes back to what you said earlier. Like with Columbus, you never know, like on a given day, um, you know, who's going to be in the lineup and who's not. You know, they, they've kind of been similar to when they had. Tortorella as coach I don't think a lot's changed like yeah someone gets a shot on the first line and then the next day like they're on the fourth line and then they might even be scratched like you never know so I think like Marchenko's been playing really good if you're in a league with you know where goals are maybe weighted more heavily like there's a guy to look at um because yeah he is scoring at a pretty good pace like I think he's is he is he played like 27 games 13 and 27 or something like that yeah um so that's a that's a pretty good good average there he's scoring all every two games so yeah, like if you know you're you're in a deep league and you're looking for some offense, um, he's probably as good as option as any right now. Yeah, plus you could always check the lines, you know, before the game. If he's still going to be playing with Goudreau, not a guarantee with Columbus that he's going to stay there for the whole game. But at least, you know, that's the best info you can get going into a game. Unfortunately, you can't make ad drops mid-game. But uh, that would actually be very interesting. Why doesn't that exist in fantasy, by the way? You should be able to. Why not just drop a guy, add someone else? You only get the stats from when you, you pick them up. I actually heard of a league. I, I think it was fantasy football. Someone told me they were in a fantasy football league once where you could flip somebody on your bench to somebody that started like at oh, the I end love of that. Sunday. Yeah. So one player, um, that would be cool. Maybe, in, maybe in like fantasy hockey, you could do that like one a week. You could flip sort of one player. Oh, like a week. So let, yeah. That you left on the bench and one player that you started, maybe they had a terrible game. You just throw somebody in. That'd be a cool thing for some fantasy leagues, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Like in a weekly league, yeah, that would be cool. That wouldn't be too hard for something like Yahoo, but it would be cool if it was even like mid-game. Maybe that now I'm asking for too much. It'd be cool if I could pull my own goalie. Like my you know, oh, yeah. two goals that, against that on five be... shots. Like I don't know. Of I don't course. Like yeah, how many times do you have three goalies starting and you got to bench one? And of course the one you bench just gets to shut out. Yeah. So yeah, it'd be fun good. to put him in halfway through. Be like, <laughs> okay, he's looking good. Exactly. Anyhow, uh Marchenko likely going to be on the top line for the next game and so if he is he's uh, somewhat interesting i guess in deeper leagues of course all right next injury uh noah dobson over on the islanders this is like a lower body injury and he could be back after the all-star breaks this is just another opportunity for me to talk about the team uh, i guess i'm not going to go in and like start discussing like if you should be grabbing sam bullduck who was on the top power play in the last game with dobson out though it was kind of interesting that in this last game for the islanders sam bullduck was on the top power play and then the fake Sebastian Ajo was on the second power play. So Ryan Pulak hasn't been getting any, even no power play to, with Dobson out. You would think at least now Ryan Pulak should get top power play, but he didn't get any in the last like three games. Now it's pretty wild. Like I still remember when Ryan Pulak was looking like he'd be a huge fantasy force a few years back. Like people were really excited about him, especially in multi-category leagues. And now it's like, yeah, he's just of no interest at all to anybody. Honestly, the island like the islanders gotta be the most frustrating. Somebody asked me that in my mailbag column this week. Who who's the team you're most frustrated with this year in fantasy? And I said, hands down, it's the Islanders. Like, I'm not grabbing any Islanders right now. Like they've scored, I don't know what it's been. Like it's it's something like 14 of their last 16 games, they've scored two goals or less. I want to say maybe seven in a row. Like they just don't score. Like they just don't score any goals. 
Um, it's they're such a frustrating team. You know, it feels like Barry Trotz never left. Um, they're just like the exact same team they were a year ago, and they have so much talent. Um, and you know, like even last night, I think when they were when they were in overtime against Vegas, like there's just some of the decisions I see. Like I think they started um, Pajo, Parise, and Pol- and I think it was Polak maybe overtime. And it's mm-hmm. like yeah. You have Nelson and Lee, who are like the only two guys do, doing pretty much anything right now. And you, you start those three guys. Like, I don't know. I just I just don't understand what they're doing a lot of times. They have some interesting young players that, you know, they barely play. Like, I know, like, even earlier in the year, Wallstrom um, was looking pretty good for a couple games here and there. And then you'd look at his, his stat line. Oh, he plays nine minutes or ten minutes. And, like, what's he going to do with that amount of ice time? So, I don't know. Unless your name is, like, Brock Nelson or Anders Lee, I'm kind of avoiding you right now if you're if you're an Islanders player. They just don't score enough. Man, that totally hurts uh, for people who have Matt Barzell, but you didn't even list him in the players that you'd be interested in. But yeah, it's reasonable. He's been super cold. He had, a, I guess, an overtime goal in a recent game, yeah. but a f- five on five or like power play, like nothing for Barzell recently. Yeah, and I should I should have included Barzell. In fact, ironically, he, he did like an Islanders goal saved my matchup, ironically, as much as I've been on them. Um, you know, negatively for the past little bit. Like I needed that goal to win my matchup because I was one save percentage point behind uh, my opponent who had Logan Thompson. So I basically needed an Islanders goal last night in overtime win the matchup and he got it. So at least they did that for me. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I am having the exact opposite luck this week. I was up like 40 going into the weekend. I thought I'd just relax, maybe use my last move to grab like a Tolvanen on Sunday for the next matchup. And then just yesterday, it just completely evaporated. And now today, I, w- I was up by nine today. And now just as you were talking, that's why uh, for people who are listening to the raw version, I forgot Barzal's name and needed to retake. And that's because I saw Jordan Stahl scored an empty net goal, which is going to kill me here. Unless like uh, David Pasternak, who, of course, like is doing nothing today. Unless Pasternak could give me a point in the final two minutes of this Boston Carolina game, I'm gonna have one so of those. Is, most- uh, is that three straight uh, Ruins losses? Maybe. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, yeah, they're down four-one, so they're definitely gonna lose after uh, never losing ever. Yeah, three in a row. That's, that's a good point. Um, okay. Anyway, I'll, I'll try to uh, gather myself to continue this show. I did want to mention, actually, another player on the Islanders that's getting what you said. Only Nelson and Lee are doing something. But actually, there's one other player, and that's their line mate for these last few games. And that's the recently outjured Kyle Palmieri, who has been like not fantasy relevant for a couple of years now. I remember when he first went to the Islanders, we used to debate on the show, like, what line is he going to go on? Is he like, you know, and then he quickly like showed us that he's not going to do what he had done in New Jersey in years past. And like now, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's on the line with the two good producers and Nelson and Lee, who are both point per game over the past couple of weeks. And Palmieri, Five assists, 11 shots in four games since returning. And Palmieri is not only playing with these two, Nelson and Lee, at even strength, but he's also been on the top power play with those guys in Barzal and recently Sam Bulldog as the top power play quarterback. Uh, so, and and to add to this, if people are starting to be like, oh, I guess I should be starting to get a little interested about Kyle Palmieri. The Islanders actually have a pretty good schedule. They play four times in the week after the All-Star break. So... I don't know. It's hard to like recommend Palmieri as like a long-term thing, but is he someone you'd be jumping on right now while he's hot and on this good line? I consider it because as you mentioned the schedule, I think there's next week sort of, I would say next week's matchup, but I guess it's like over two weeks. Um, it's so hard to navigate. So I think anybody playing four games in that second week um, that's going pretty good right now is probably a good one to consider. 
and yeah, you know, I think as, as tough as it's been for the Isles to score, like Lee and Nelson are clicking and yeah, he's on that line. He's taking advantage of it. So yeah, if you're looking for a player for the following week, I think he'd be a decent move. Yeah. Take a look at Kyle Palmieri and uh, see if he can keep us up somewhat. Okay, another guy who's back finally after missing a lot of time is Shea Theodore. So yeah, we were talking about Vegas and how they've been really struggling lately. Uh, Jack Eichel, pointless in five. I didn't even mention Alex Petrangelo, pointless in four, which isn't great. And yeah, Shea Theodore came back two games, also pointless, which isn't very good. Of course, Vegas has only managed to score a goal in each of those games. So it's not as if Theodore had a lot of opportunities to get in on some goals. Uh, It's now seven losses in eight games for Vegas. Who, like, (laughs) let me put it this way, like, Three players that are on everyone's rosters, Eichel, Petrangelo, and Theodore. Are any of them like concerning to you, like especially, and someone that you think maybe they won't bounce back for the second half, or do you think they're all just going to be fine and maybe just need like Mark Stone to come back into the lineup? I think Mark Stone is the is the key thing there, and and I think like as a, as a whole, like Vegas doesn't look nearly as good as they were in the first couple months. I saw a stat today on Twitter. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like. They have like the eighth fewest regulation wins in the last two months or something in the league. Like Vegas, like they just, and as you said, they've lost what seven of eight now. So yeah, they just don't look as potent um, as they did earlier in the year. And I think obviously stones, that, but, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm pretty confident though. They should be okay. Like there's enough talent there. Um, they should bounce back, especially if stone can stay healthy, but yeah, I definitely be mildly concerned right now just given that you know overall the team looked kind of like a juggernaut the first little bit now they just don't look anything near that so yeah it's it's kind of a bummer because last year was like such a surprise they didn't make the playoffs and you were able to just blame it on injuries but now if they go two years in a row i mean they're still in a spot right now i think but yeah it's falling apart pretty quickly so it'll be interesting to see if they could bounce back Uh, okay one more Algeri rope hints is back with dallas and he's back on the top line and he scored versus new jersey yesterday so it seems like everything in dallas is now finally getting back to normal there was some weirdness of hints on the second line and sagan on the top line but that's over it seems and sagan is now pointless in four games is it like just simple to say and i know it's like harsh because he's tyler sagan he used to be such a big star but do you think if people still have him on their roster they're maybe snoozing potentially and it's time to consider dropping him and moving on to someone else like let's say i don't know like kyle palmieri is out there at free agency is it really like ridiculous to consider swapping out sagan for palmieri i don't think it is at this point like i I was beating the drum two weeks ago to sell high on him like to see if you could trade him for something because he actually looked really good um, while Hintz was out. He put up a ton of points there in, in the six or seven games he played. Um, so he, he really boosted his stock. And yeah, I knew he was going to obviously drop back down and you know the points were going to kind of disappear. So I think that would have been a great time to try and get something for him in a trade. But yeah, now, I mean, you know, if you're still holding him, like he, you know, just going to have to kind of, with maybe the odd point here and there, he's not going to be as consistent as he was when he was on the top line for sure. So if there are better options out there. Yeah, I think you can drop him. Damn. Yeah, man. A big fall. He kind of, I always kind of think of like Tyler Sagan and Taylor Hall kind of in the same breath. Yeah. They both have sort of like fallen off at around the same times in their careers. Yeah. It's hard, right? Like you have a lot of these, I always say like use the term like name recognition. He's got a lot of name recognition. You know, his name just pops for you. It's always hard to move on from those guys in fantasy. And ironically, like, you know, I think Eric Carlson was like that for a lot of years. And now like all of a sudden he's just like phenomenal again. So you know, you can't say, you know, for absolute certainty, um, that's not going to happen. But yeah, I think with Sagan, like, he's obviously just not like an elite player. I don't know if he ever really made it to an elite status, but 
I don't think he's he's much more than like a fifty. Yeah, bummer. I I remember early on in when we were doing this podcast, I feel like every week or two we'd be having a segment of like who's playing with Sagan and Ben over in Dallas, and it would be like Patrick Eves or it would be <laughs> Jason Spezza or whoever, and then that's the player that you'd want to add. But now, uh, yeah, no one talks about who's playing with Sagan and. We've an artist line, Mason Marchment. I don't know. Let me see. The uh, Dallas is like Sagan, Faxa, and Marchment. So yeah, oh, not, not well. Dallas, I guess they just like running that awesome top line, and and they're fine doing the opposite of what the Sens are doing. I guess. Roderick Faxa was like my go-to guy in a in a face-off league a couple years ago. Like if I on Sunday, if I was down by like a bunch of face-offs, I would just grab him. And Taylor Hall, I should mention, did score a goal today for Boston when I since I brought him up with that, you know. Uh, the Tyler Sagan talk. Uh, unfortunately for me, David or David Pasternak didn't score a goal and he didn't assist on it. And that's why I lost by two points. But anyways, I'll, I'll stop harping on that. Uh, Hall, like <laughs> Hall's like in a good spot. Like now he's been playing recently on the top line for a while. He was on the third line, even with Jake DeBrusque injured and like Craig Smith was on the top line. But in this game, Hall was playing. Yeah. With Bergeron and, and Marchand. But of course, they did lose five one. Now, like you said, it's three losses in a row. So I, I wouldn't be banking on this holding. Uh, Boston has one more game still to go before the All Star break. So yeah, definitely, if you have Taylor Hall, I think it's probably very similar to if you have Tyler Sagan, right? It's like lots of name recognition, but just isn't coming together. He's been cold for a while now. Yeah, I think you know what you're gonna get from Hall too. But I, I, th- I think with Hall, it's it's more like you know, it's harder to it's hard to drop somebody playing on that line that top. Design right now, especially with the brusque out. Um, but yeah, again, I just it's tough. Like I think he obviously hit a higher peak than Sagan did, but yeah, it seems like he's not gonna gonna get close to that. Oh well, but we have new exciting players on hot streaks that we could talk about instead. We can't uh, hang our hats on the Sagans and Halls forever, uh, or even the Jack Eichels, <laughs> as it seems right now. Uh, but yeah, I've got a lot to get to. Uh, so how about Michael? Well, this has been awesome so far. The time has totally flown by, but like uh, we've been generally breaking the show into two parts. So let's call this the official end of part one. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, you should already have part two waiting for you in your podcast feed. So we'll be back soon with more from Michael Amato, all about some hot. Hot streaks and cold streaks. So uh, talk to you soon.